0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever or you could conquer
1: the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
2: This Acecast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection, go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com.
1: This is Acecast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics.
2: And the pitch is swung on,
3: hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track, over his head. And over the wall. Do you believe that?
4: And 29 other MLB clubs.
2: Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away, back, on! Go, hey. It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime.
3: It is a Judging blast. All rise. Here comes the
4: Judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors, to spin rates, to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend.
2: There was a great question that was thrown out there that I, I saw. Is when you were a kid, who were your favorite first baseman? And that tells you your age. Who were the prominent? Maybe maybe you don't even have to say who your favorite was because everybody's a homer. Who were the prominent first baseman when you were a kid growing up? And that will tell you your age. Because first basemen tend to be guys well, least in yesteryear, stayed around for a long time, stayed at the same position for a long time. And we started going through it, and I thought it was a fascinating question because you're like, huh, when I was a kid, and you think, okay, first baseman. Like, for you, Mark McGuire, as an Oakland athletic, as a kid, would have been one of the prominent first basements for you.
3: Yeah, and then obviously with the Cardinals because I got a little older. When I hit like 10, he was a Cardinal. I was a home run race, 98. You were
2: 10 during that time? No,
3: sorry, I was 9. I turned 10 after the home run race ended. I went to the Hall of Fame wow. that same year, I'm too. i that much older than you? Not that much older. I'm going to be 35 this year. I was well into my career during the home run chase. <laughs> uh, full disclaimer, I wasn't married for the first time yet then. Wow. But, yeah, McGuire, McGuire was He like, said it,
2: not me. I had nothing to do
3: with that. It's okay. I can make jokes my He did my dig expense. on himself. My wife's in Cancun. She's not listening. Uh, she could be down the
2: street and she wouldn't be listening.
3: That's also myself. very true. Um, she's an Angels fan. The, for me, growing up in Pittsburgh, the first baseman only stunk. It was Kevin Young and then it was Craig Wilson. So, of course,
2: I watched a lot but of – You see, I- me as a really, really, really young kid, the Pirate first baseman was the first baseman. Because when I was a little kid, the big team was – The remember fans and everybody listening today wasn't even alive when the A's won World Series 72, 73, 74. So don't even tell me about that. Uh, It's Willie Stargell and the We Are Family Pirates. Willie Stargell, he was towards the end of his career, which means, you know, he wasn't wasting away like Miguel Cabrera. He was still Willie Stargell playing in the World Series in 1979. So, like, the first big first baseman I remember as a kid was Willie Stargell.
3: I'm curious, how old was Old Man? Will. How was old like, was
2: Pops? I, I, I. Look, Mister Rogers. All right, you ready? I'm gonna say, Willie Stargell in the World Series in 1979 was 39 years old. Oh wow, that's a great guess. It was
3: 39 years old. Nah, born in 1940. One for me. Uh, at age 40, he um he only hit 32 home runs and drove in 82.
2: Can I get a guy that hits 32 home runs and drives in 82? Who's not? I mean, he was thirty-nine years old. and Did what?
3: Thirty-nine years old played one hundred twenty-six games, hit thirty-two homers, drove in an eighty-two, and hit two eighty-one,
2: and had a nine oh four OPS. It's
3: pretty good. Pops from uh, Al- Alameda, At 39 right?
2: Thirty-nine years
3: old. He has some relation to, uh, yeah. He went to high school in Alameda.
2: Thirty-nine years old. Why can't we have that? When was uh, the last time we had that?
3: What a first baseman did that? Matt did Olson. He hit
2: bombs, but he didn't hit. He didn't hit that kind of average. Uh, McGuire, Giambi.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, Giambi. I was saying. I was gonna say. i almost said Brandon Moss.
2: Now, if you say Giambi's that first baseman, and I played against Giambi, I'm gonna be pissed. Yeah, you're not that young. You're not that young. But I was. Well, s- he's a, so he- we start going through like mine, and it's funny. Mine are. I have the list. Yeah, mine are the. I mean. So from Stargell, because when I first start really remembering sports, uh, is seventy nine. Seventy nine is like the the year that I first. So like the Raiders were my first Super Bowl party in eighty. Uh, Raiders, Eagles. So it's like Pete Rose, Rod Carew, Steve Garvey, right? It's these guys. Then here comes Don Mattingly, right? Uh, what, Cecil Cooper was a brewer. He was always in the All-Star game. Who am I missing? Keith Hernandez. Keith Hernandez was a Cardinal before he was a Met. Jack Clark. The Ripper. People forget about the Ripper. Jack the Ripper was a pretty, was, it was pretty, hit a lot of bombs back in the day. But Pete Rose, see, I, Pete Rose was not Big Red. Pete Rose was off the Big Red machine by the time I, I mean, Pete Rose was a Philly. Winning the World Series in 1980. Yeah. Pete Rose to me was always. I never saw Pete Rose play out. Pete Rose was always the first. Bob Boone's dropping the ball at the dugout, and there's Pete Rose getting it. I mean, that's a famous highlight from 1980. I mean, that Pete Rose to me was a first baseman.
3: I mean, some of the ones for me, we mentioned McGuire already. Uh, Giambi. This is before Giambi's a left. This is after he was a left fielder and third baseman. Uh, the Big Cat, Andres Gal- Galarraga. He was never a. He was big,
2: but he's never a big first baseman. Uh, Jim Tomey, Jim Tomey was a big
3: deal. Jeff Bagwell, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, Jeff Another Bagwell. Hall of Famer. Yeah. Carlos Elgato was pretty good. Yeah, he was a really good player. Todd Helton, yep, and Richie Sexson, no, and then Albert Pulhos obviously. Who? I'm not going to say Sean Casey the mayor. You mean
2: the guy they were sending the juice balls to, so he could? Wow, Just allegedly. I mean, we allegedly special balls were being sent to St. Louis at the end of that run. I'm just that's – what, that's what's that's what been thrown out into the universe, and your generation loves to say, I saw it on Twitter. It's true. Uh,
3: by the way, I looked up 2003 All-Star game. Albert Pujols was a starter in left field.
2: No. <laughs> he was not voted in as the left – he may have got put there, but he was not voted in as – he was on the ballot as an outfielder. Pretty sure in that game Todd Helton started at first base. That's fine, but you, you – you, you, he was not voted in as an outfielder.
3: It's funny, by the way, um, you know, mentioned Brandon, uh, Brandon Donnelly. He was the winner in that All-Star game. Um, yeah, left field, the great Albert Pujols is hitting third.
2: No, 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 no. He got put there. He
3: was voted. I, I don't know. I don't know. Word,
2: bring up the voting of what year was this, the old three All-Star game? Yeah, 2003. MLB. You're going to tell me Albert Pools was an outfielder, voted in as an outfielder. I could be stand. I could stand correct. It is a bucket of crabs. We all know. Um, I wonder if they
3: have. I don't know if they burn bring that up from those years. The ago. fan vote. What's the fan vote?
5: How does it feel to lead the field?
3: uh Oh, there's an ad. Uh, I don't know how to find that on Baseball Reference. Never had to look that up.
2: Uh, you just got called. I'm just reading. I'm just, just reading can... what the what it says. No, you, they're telling you where he played. How many games did he play in 0-3? You can see that. How many games did he play in left field? Let's find out. I know he played.
3: He played some third base too. he's the
2: Ted. They always compared him to Ted Williams. He's the Ted Williams now, left field. Let's see. Ooh, wait a minute. Was McGuire was Maguire still there? No, McGuire was gone. We're talking about '03. What year was McGuire's last year?
3: It was right around that time. Um. Yeah, I think he was gone though. Uh. Hold on. Let me let me get to Pulhos. Get to his great defensive career. Uh, in two thousand three, Pulhos played. Uh, he played one hundred thirteen games in left field, so he might have been voted in as a left fielder. How many did you play first? In 03, 62.
2: So who was the Cardinals first? Was was it McGuire? Oh, you just shot me down. So I mean, I c- couldn't.
3: Was it really? Oh boy. No, I mean, no, it was not McGuire. It looks like, unless that was wrong, the answer was the great thirty-five-year-old Tino Martinez was the third Tino base. Tino the
2: Bambino.
3: He was the first baseman that I year. I do not remember him as a Cardinal. Hit two seventy-three. Hit fifteen home runs. I mean, I mean, look at this lineup. I mean, Edgar Renteria hit thirteen home runs and drove it a hundred. Then it was Scott Rowland, Hall of Famer, twenty-eight, one hundred four. Pulhos forty-three and one twenty-four. <laughs>
2: Jim J.D. Drew. Oh, uh, J.D.
3: Drew. Uh, yeah, Edmonds hit 39 home runs that year. It's like a Cardinals team. They only won, like, how many games? They won, like, 84? I
2: mean, I – sorry, 85. I, I Can I make one statement? Uh, I, I I drug test that whole team, by the way. Do, do you see how much you forget about the steroid era? Uh, All of a sudden, you look at baseball reference. Oh, look what he did. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Because Jim Edmonds was really a 39 home run guy.
3: Actually, was that Edmonds' best year power? I know he had some years where he had some power, but I don't know. If that yeah, was. everybody had power. You, you, you don't remember that era? What do you mean? Edgar Renteria drove 100 and only at 13? I mean, you don't remember everybody had power? Oh, whoa. he. I mean, Edmonds at 25, hit 33, and drove in 107 as a California angel.
2: Yeah, at 25. How old was he in 03? Uh, he was 33. Uh-huh.
3: Oh, wait. Whoa, next year hit 42, drove in 111. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> yeah. And Mark McGuire hit, se- se- hit what, 70? McGuire hit seventy in nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, yeah, he hit seventy. Hey, Barry um,
3: Bonds never hit over never hit over fifty. And then he
2: miraculously did it in yeah. 2001. You're right. you yeah, yeah. You're right. He was he never tested positive. You're like some of the bad callers on KNBR. He never tested positive.
3: McGuire's last year was two thousand one at age thirty seven. He hit a whopping one eighty seven, but he still hit two twenty nine home runs in ninety seven games.
2: All right. Well, when we got katze four, we got plenty of time. Okay. I want to get it because I I talked about this briefly with Eno. And I found this on talking about fantasy. So usually the fantasy stuff really doesn't bring you nuggets to use for the show. But it was fantasy talking about pitchers on the shelf. Twelve of the top 50 starting pitchers on draft day are currently on injured wrist, on injured list. Three of them. Robbie Ray, Jeffrey Springs, and Luis Garcia are out due to Tommy John. And you just start thinking about it, the amount of guys that are hurt. And that's when it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We've been using all these excuses of why guys are hurt. Here, you ready? 2021. The prevailing opinion centered around the increased workloads from a COVID-19-shortened 2020 season. Remember how we had to buy into that one? Yeah. Oh, you know, these guys only played 60 games. They're off their workload. It's now 2021. You know, I mean, when you could have said, you know what? These guys got more time to heal their bodies. They actually got more time to heal their bodies their body think about this how how ridiculous right now we push guys back why do we push guys back give more time to heal rest okay so we're constantly talking about how these guys need rest here they had the ultimate time to rest. If you're somebody that's been throwing way too much since high school and college and minor leagues, well, God knows they don't barely even throw in the minor leagues now. So, But the narrative that these guys have been thrown so much in their life that they need to rest, well, that was COVID. You've got If you had anything ailing you as a professional athlete, you had the ability, yes, guys still had the ability in the states that they lived in, yeah, it wouldn't happen in here, but in the states they live in, like Florida and Arizona and Texas and Nevada, you still could get treatment. You still could get worked on. Think about the amount of time if you'd felt like you know I've had the shoulder, my, my I've I've had something. You had ample time. You had from the last pitch of that season, unless you played in the postseason. Was that we? That was like an October second or third end date. So you basically had from the beginning, you had October, November, December, January, uh, February, March, April, May, June. We didn't start till July, right? Correct, July. End of July. Folks, almost 10 months pitchers had to heal, to rest, to strengthen themselves. Then you had a quick 60-game schedule. Then you had a whole another off season to heal, and now we had people in baseball talking about, well, they didn't get their workloads, they're not, they're not built up. Whoa, 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 whoa! You want to talk about our sport talking, talking out both sides of their mouth? It's unbelievable. You had all this time to get healthy and fix whatever has been ailing you as a pitcher and to strengthen everything your lower body your core your shoulders your forearms you can't technically straighten you know it's it, it's a ligament you you know i mean there's not much you can do. your UCL. But what you can do is strengthen your forearm, strengthen your shoulder, your tricep, your bicep. You can strengthen – there's things that you can do. You had all this time in the world, and coming out of being able to be as strong as you ever could be, they talked about he didn't get his workload. We're worried about pitchers because they didn't get their workload from last year. But then when they're in the process of their workload, we constantly talk about what? Pitching them less. Yes. So our game is talked out of their mouth. So 2021 – Bunch of guys were getting hurt. They didn't get their workload the year before because of COVID. Next year, well, we had the lockout. We had the lockout. Lockout was what? How long? We missed two weeks. Uh, we missed two weeks of baseball because of the lockout. Yeah, and they couldn't. But no communication, all that stuff. Oh, they couldn't talk. Well, they were all out throwing, according to according to everybody we talked to. They were all throwing their bullpens. They were all getting their work in. That's why I w- I made that we made that
3: friendly wager about how many guys would. Uh, I said oh. no guy would go over
2: two hundred innings. Debbie Downer here
3: said no one would even throw. Oh, there could be. Not to jump ahead, there could be correlations that. And why Sandy Alcantara is not good this year? No, oh, you're a joke.
2: <laughs> uh, but there you go. We had a lockout. That's why guys are getting hurt. So 2021 was workload and COVID. 2022 was lockout. Guess what this year is? Pitch timer. Pitch timer. Now they're getting hurt because of pitch timer. So we've had three years, tons of injuries, but we've had three different excuses. Wouldn't you think there should be one excuse? There should be one thing? Shouldn't these brilliant? Now, we're not hearing any of this from medical professionals. We're not hearing that, even though David Forrest is a doctor. I was going to say, we do have a doctor on staff uh, yes. in the front office. I mean, if you got to meet a doctor, call Dr. David Forrest. Call Dr. Force. <laughs> That's Forrest. We're, we're, we're going to run with that for a while. Yes. Uh, doctor, is there a doctor? We need to get some drops about doctor.
3: We should just have that... I should have that clip ready on top of his. He gets on
2: base. (laughs) He gets on base. But, yeah, we've had three years of an extreme amount of injuries, and we've blamed it on three different things. But we never blame it on the one thing that is happening. Yeah. We're pushing the human body to limits it's never been before. The velocity. And everybody is pitching like a closer. Everybody's coming in. Starters are pitching like closers. I'm giving you my very best from the moment I get out there. I'm giving you all I got. I'm giving you my best breaking balls. I'm giving you my best fastball. It is, I'm I'm. I'm giving you everything I have for four, five, maybe six innings. And that's it. And guys' arms can't take it. The human body can't take going full bore every single time. And what they don't tell you is a lot of these guys are going pretty full bore in their bullpens, too. So you're pushing the human body. So I'm not buying it's COVID. I'm not buying lockout, and I'm not buying pitch timer. Not buying it.
3: Well, we saw we saw where we talked about it a little bit last, I think it was last week where the amount, the velocity in the game has tripled since 2019. Like the amount of guys that throw over 100 miles an hour. How's that possible? It's unbelievable what's going on. And now that's all, it's all it is anymore. When especially coming around, the draft's going to be in like two months. And what's everyone be looking for? Who throws 100 miles an hour? And the the radar gun. You mean
2: not who gets outs? No, they don't care not about who outs. can go deep in games. It's about who throws 100. Not who can pitch. Not who has. Who, not who has, you know, one thing that I used to talk about multiple pitches that they can throw for strikes and for strikeouts. And that yeah. doesn't matter anymore.
3: No, it's all about who throws hard and who has a good fastball, and who can throw the who can throw the sweeper or the slider. And that's even worse for you with the, with the way you're torquing your arm like that. Um, I talked to my friend who's a doctor about this. I will not say what team he works for, but on a part, he's a doctor. He helps out, and we were talking about this like. He's like the he was telling me about the velocity, but I said, "Dude, like look at how many guys are getting hurt from throwing so many sliders and breaking balls."
2: More, th- more breaking pitches are being thrown than ever before, and we're seeing how many more injuries. We're seeing so many more injuries every year too. The manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks, former Oakland Athletic Terry Lovello, joining us here on A's Cast Live. Always great to have him, as we've been telling people all this time. Whenever we have him on. We, we give everybody the option to stream audio or be on video, since we basically made this a TV show, has always requested that we're on video. For sure. My man, how are you?
6: I got a face for video, 100%.
2: Ace fans love you. Don't worry about it. I like to get the beard. It's been going good,
6: huh? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to look a little rough, like, you know, upgrade the image to a tough guy. You know what I mean?
2: Well, I'm going to tell you this. As we were down spring training and we were doing all of our preview stuff, mm-hmm. And we were talking about the t- who's going to win this and who's going to win that. I said I have one surprise team in the National League, and I was looking at what the snakes were doing in the second half of last year, running wild. And we got these new rules, and you got all <laughs> these all these kids that are super athletes. Will you admit, Cody? Tell him who was my <laughs> my surprise team in the National League will be who? The Arizona Diamondbacks.
6: Oh, like. Hey, Boy, he really cued you up for that one. You had <laughs> had to go there. Can you imagine if he said like, I don't even know the the the, Mi- the Miami the Miami Marlins? You'd be like, oh bummer. Wah, wah. Uh, listen, I appreciate that. The Mets and the yeah. highest payroll. What? <laughs> yeah. You um you've always given us a lot of love. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, we had some lean years here. We had some really lean times. Uh, but we knew you're right. At the back half of last year, some of our younger prospects had been percolating, and, and uh, they got up here and they performed. They did their job and it started to translate we felt very good about this offseason but it meant working and and still teaching and going out there for them every single day and we're watching the improvements right now it's been a lot of fun for us
2: well i remember the interview that we did in 2019 down in san diego at the winter meetings at the manchester hyatt where we talked so much about the culture of the arizona diamondbacks every single day what it's like to be in that clubhouse what it's like to be on the field Winning all the little things, teaching these guys, and yes, there could be some rough moments, and you went through the rough moments, but you talked about building a winning culture, and you have. You have to be proud of yourself, your staff, and the organization for what you've built, and the fact that everybody believed in it, and it's come true.
6: Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. You remember Um, that? I do. I totally remember that. Um, culture is important uh, I, I think when you go out there and, and it's a an cohesive unit and they believe in the same thing and culture is really about bringing people together for one common one common reason and that's to go out and win baseball games and and just push forward daily so um, it's like starting a new business right you take a chance and you, you do things and say things and you wonder how somebody's going to respond to it and you back it up with some some good thoughts or ideas and the next you know he's talking about it and that's kind of what what's going on you know we we have a couple words in our culture that you don't use every day it's love trust commitment and effort um you you say love in the in sports it throws people off but you know i was watching the super bowl when the rams won the super bowl a couple years ago every single player uh i think mcveigh was mic'd up they went up to him hugged him and said i love you coach i i really love you and i think that's where it starts with us when you, when you talk about building something special it's got to be really deep inside of the heart
2: love trust commitment and effort you know what i didn't hear there Weighted runs created plus, <laughs> OPS plus, uh, O swing percentage, all the data does matter. It does, but yeah. But we're dealing with human beings, and that there, 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 there's something about human beings coming together. It's more than just numbers.
6: Absolutely. Um, I, I, I love the data. It shows up, and it's real. It's a real thing. But at the end of the day, when you walk into the into the batter's box, there's a that's a human emotion and uh, that's controlling what you're doing and making making sure you believe that you can do it. And when you have a when you have an army of people that are backing you and talking to you and, and, and you build trust and relationship with, you're going to go up there and feel like you're not never alone. And I know the same thing. I'm not wasn't a pitcher, but I've learned a lot about pitching. I'm sure the pitchers feel the same way. Every time they throw a pitch, Brent Strom and Dan Carlson are with them and executing with them.
2: Brent Strom, when I was growing up in San Diego, the old San Diego School of Baseball, Brent Strom was one of the owners. Alan Trammell, Tony Gwynn. I just think how this guy has been around forever, and no matter where he goes, all the pitchers get better. It's yeah. insane.
6: Yeah, you know, and I'll tell you what, it starts with the relationship, I and mean, he, he bond, makes a bond with these guys, and uh, he's a pitching guru. He's got ideas and thoughts that it's just they're bouncing off of off of his in his mind. All day long, and he comes together with his group of, of teachers, the other pitching coaches, and they have a good idea to how to make people better every single day. And you're right; it's not a, it's not any mystery that where he goes, success follows.
2: So when I think about young players, because we're now dealing with a lot of young players, you've done with it you've done it for years. What is the key? They're gonna take their lumps. There's gonna be the issues. There's got to be times where you pat them on the back. Other times, you got to kick them in the butt. Yeah. But what really is the key to helping young players get better?
6: um always being there for them being accessible um you know providing answers i think one of the things we really believe in is that i ask the coaches to have good content and i encourage the players to ask why when I was told to do something when I was a player, it was you did it or else you were out. And I just felt like it wasn't the most creative way for me to go out there and perform. Players are smart today. They're they're on an information highway. They understand exactly what's going on every single day with them, around them, their friends, their colleagues. And you better find out why when you ask them to do something. Young players are pretty 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 intelligent today uh you know and and the bottom line is we got to go out there and execute as as a unit and when we do that good things happen
2: and you look at your division kind of sizing everybody up how do you feel about it
6: um i feel really good uh i I know that the dodgers and the padres are there the giants are always very very um uh lethal they're they're capable of winning getting on winning a lot of games getting on 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 a on a string of uh good moments and Uh, You know, I don't want to discount the Rockies either. They have a huge home field uh, advantage up there. And um, we just know we got to take care of our business. I'll tell you, the biggest transition for me and us and what we're talking about now is the weight is on us and what's happening in our dugout. At times where we were young and making a lot of mistakes, we'd look across and say, oh, my God, we're playing the Dodgers. Or, oh, my God, we're playing the Padres. Now it's like we're in our dugout. We're playing our game against the Padres or the Dodgers or the Giants. And I think our guys are growing up and they're maturing. And it goes back to, to, the, to the main thing, you know, being able to ask why, build that relationship, build that trust, build that bond. It's a pretty impressive unit that we have over there in that in that dugout.
2: We, we we've known Corbin's going to be a superstar. We've been reading about him, right? right? All mm-hmm. the prospects when he signs and makes the commitment, because people can always say, oh, you could have got a lot more. What does that do for your franchise when he signs for the money that he did, and he said, "You know what? I'm all in."
6: Well, it's it's he's a pretty impressive person. Um, he's a good man. He's a good, good young man. He's a good human being, and, and that that went into it as well. So, uh, we want to build around him for the next ten years, and that's what it says. It makes a statement that when you're a good player, you do things right, and you have results, and you're projected to be a good player. He hasn't done a lot yet, but we felt like it was it was he was on the right course, and. Um, I think it makes a commitment to the rest of the guys, like, if you're the right guy, we're going to build around you, and we're going to keep keep getting these pieces and get better every single day.
2: Uh, gallon's not bad, by the way.
6: <laughs> you know, I'll go back to that day. We were in New York at the trade deadline in 19, and we were trading Zach Greinke, and, and um, you know, all of a sudden we, that was the main the main feature trade guy, the trade yeah. piece that we had because we were a little bit over 500, and we weren't pushing towards making a playoff, and we ended up making a run after the trade deadline, which was really impressive. But there was a small little trade that took place. It was Jazz Chisholm for a guy by the name of Zach Gallon. It it was very underwhelming and kind of under the radar. Good trade for us.
2: I think about this stadium. I think about your career. I think about the relationships you built here. Yeah. How you kind of grew as a person here. Yeah. So when you, it's been a while, right? You don't come yeah. here all the time. Yeah. What is it like to, when you come back to the old stadium?
6: Well, I answered the question today, you know, who were the who, I played for a lot of teams and I tell everybody that it's not that I wasn't good enough. I just was so popular. Everybody wanted me on their team. Yes, the <laughs> bottom line is I was a 26 guy and I was falling off the <laughs> roster. Um, but I, I, I look back on my year here with such fondness. I had some great teammates, um, Mike Bordick, Scott Brocious, um, Mark McGuire. Uh, yeah, it, the list, Terry Steinbach the list went on and on and on and I, I still have, they're, they're still my friends to this day so I cherish that but when I walk back into the stadium it's a lot of the clubbies, you know it's Mikey Thalbrum, it's yeah. Brian uh, it, it's the, the ushers that, that remember me and it's just, you know I, I have good fond memories, we had a good team that year we just, our pitching kind of fell apart towards the end of the year but uh, it was a good organization Billy Bean ran a great organization and he still does
2: Well, I got to tell you, we're rooting for you. Thank you. And it's easy. You're in the National League. We can root for you. But exciting. I love the athleticism. I love it. Fearless. Yeah. Fearless athleticism. It's tough to beat.
6: I agree. We're in a good spot. I appreciate that.
2: Thanks for stopping by. Anytime. We have a new feature that we're going to be busting out today with our next guest. Because, I mean, we've talked all about his greatness as a Cal Bear. We've talked about him as a World Series hero and a great broadcaster. We didn't realize that he could see into the future. Blummer, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Tony? Well, we're about to. Do, do you have it ready there, uh, Cody? Uh, we, we have a new name for you, Blummer Domus. Did you know like that? It. Did you know we had that name for you?
5: No, I did not. Uh, you know, I get lucky every now and then, and uh, you know, it's good to have a nickname that's not something uh, derogatory. Well, let, let let's play it. This was
2: you before the season started, looking into the future.
5: I I mean maybe for the first month month and a half two months maybe you can argue that a little bit because you know you're gonna have I, I know you're kind of hitting at the Altuve situation with the WBC breaking the thumb having surgery you know coming back and re- rehabilitating that and getting that swing back is going to be a little bit longer than maybe that we, we expect uh, Michael Brantley was scheduled to be ready opening day but had some issues off the field that he had to take care of so it kind of pushed his start back a little bit Jordan Alvarez just started hitting can he be ready on opening day and then you've got lance mccullers jr is when's he going to be able to come back so yeah if you're going to look at this and and maybe say there's an opportunity to kind of take advantage of the astros i wouldn't say knock them off that al west throne but i would say if there's an opportunity to take advantage of the astros early on this you know april may might be those months where you can if you can jump out to a little bit of an early lead and uh try and take advantage of them not being at full strength because they are going to open the season with some key pieces on
2: the shelf and what happens no one took real advantage of it the Astros have won four in a row and they're right back in the mix so you called it you better get on them early and no one really did and because they didn't the Astros are right back in this thing
5: it's kind of wild to think about too and I was always under the assumption that the Seattle Mariners were going to be better than they were Uh, you know the Texas Rangers kind of surprised me a little bit with their pitching I know that DeGrom has heard but you're you're seeing a Valde pitch extremely well. John Gray out there, and their offense is ridiculous. I mean, the numbers that uh, Texas is putting up are pretty insane to watch from a distance. So I don't know what they were going to look like in person. But you know, it, only a two-game lead. That I don't. I just don't think that's enough for, to to get the Astros off you and be able to fight them off throughout the course of the season. But I, I to be brutally honest, I'm a little disappointed what Seattle had because Seattle was the team. That I thought was going to be able to pitch well enough and have their offense going to put up some runs to go out there and win ball games and maybe be leading the West right now, but now as we have it, you know the Astros find a way to win ball games and here they are, two games back.
2: All right, he's back, Jose Altuve. How fired up is everybody there in Houston?
5: We're all fired up. I mean, it's a it's a Friday night. It's a Kyle Tucker bobblehead giveaway. It's, you know, fireworks. Uh, the team is on a roll and then you add on that extra layer of Jose Altuve. I would imagine that uh, if you're here pregame, you're going to hear a good cheer when they announce the lineups. And then when he gets that first at bat, uh, he may be down 0-1 because he's tipping his cap to everybody as he makes it back <laughs> on the ballpark. But, uh just a quick thing about Jose Altuve. One of the best stories I heard about him was from Joe Espada. Joe said that they were in spring training. Jose Altuve takes off to go play in the WBC, breaks a thumb. The Just his gear bag comes back, and it's sitting in the locker as guys start to filter into the clubhouse. And he said that instantly there was just this funk that kind of spread throughout the clubhouse because the person wasn't in there. Jose Altuve brings a lot to the table on the field. But he's he's just a jovial, happy, you know, go lucky type guy, and I think having just that energy is going to be one of those things that they're they're going to really uh, enjoy having back.
2: It is so true because I'll never forget one of the one of the years, uh, the, the visiting clubhouse at the Coliseum. You come out and you walk down the same stairs as everybody else does—the fans, the workers, us media—and there was one time where Altuve walks out. And he and I walked down the stairs together. Couldn't have been a nicer guy, right? I mean, I, I mean, I'm taller than he is, for God's sakes. But, but you, yeah, I, I could dunk on him. But you could post him up, yeah. But you know, you're just like he—he—he he, he is just—he's like a—he's—it's he's like a bottle of energy. And there's something about a player like that. And you throw in that he's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. There, there's some, when a guy brings that kind of energy, and he's a great player. Wow.
5: It is wow and it's a lot of fun because, you know, as much as he goes out there and gets his numbers, like you said, you know, he's close to 2000, 2000 base hits. He should get that here in the next, you know, what should, depending on how he goes, if you get it in the next month, but he's, he's achieving levels offensively, both during the regular season and postseason that are putting him into that status you're talking about yet when you watch him in the dugout, in the clubhouse. I mean, he's jumping around. He's talking to guys. There's not, there's nobody on this team that he avoids. He'll talk to anybody anytime. And if something good happens, he's on the top step. He'll be the first one to high-five you. So, you know, he, he has that enthusiasm about it that he really wants everybody else to succeed along with him.
2: All right, we're beyond that it's early kind of deal. Uh, Jose Abreu, you know, home runs. How worried are you guys?
5: I... Well, th- we're a little worried because, you know, behind the scenes, there's a little bit of a running bet on which Jose A is going to get that home run first, and it might be Jose Altuve instead of Jose Abreu that gets that first home run because, uh, you know, it, whether it's mechanical, whether it's mental, there's just something going on with Jose Abreu that's not allowing him to turn on the baseball and try and yank it into the Crawford boxes here at Minute Maid Park, so I'm not, you know, I have my opinions just from watching the swing, you know, a couple of mechanical things that are in there. But then I watch him take a couple of fastballs down the middle, chase a slider off the plate. So that gives you the idea. It's a, maybe a little bit mental. So he's got some stuff going on. And uh, you know, always wonder, is he healthy? Is he fighting against something? Is he protecting something? But the lack of the lack of power, yes, it's it's gotten to the point where I think here in Houston it's a little concerning, yes.
2: All right, in your career, if you had something that was wrong, Maybe a little physical, maybe a little mechanical. Obviously it's tough to fix because you play every single night. What is the key to whatever that whatever is ailing you fixing it during a season? Well, the
5: hardest part is probably trusting it because
2: you know once you make an adjustment on your
5: one part of swing of the swing, you get 99 other problems that go with it. So it's trying to simplify the, the mechanics that you're working with. And I think nowadays with the technology, you're able to side-by-side, side, you're able to overlap swings. So I know that I probably liked, I'd probably i like to take video of what I was doing well, and I would sit there and watch the video. I'd try and see it, and hopefully my eyes would tell my body how it feels. Then I would get in the cage, figure out what doesn't feel right, and try and get in that same position that I was at when I was going well and try and replicate that. And maybe that would start to unlock some things. But You know, there's, you know, this day and age, I didn't work with the the analytics that they have, so sometimes it can be paralysis by analysis, or it could be you just run into a string of pitchers that you're facing that are extremely good, and you're hitting the ball hard, and you're running into bad luck, but you've got to show a lot of trust in your ability to go out there because you do have to make adjustments. If you sit there and just say, my swing's going to work no matter what, I think that's when you start to find yourself in some of these funks like you're seeing Jose Abreu win.
2: You know, there's that statement of there's – There's your feels and there's the reals. There's things that you're feeling and there's things that really are going on. But if you're going good, it doesn't matter. Right. But if you're not going good and it feels good, but it's not going good. So the feeling and what it looks like are two different things. Man, that's when you're like, where do I go? What do I do?
5: Yeah, you you are you are virtually inside my head when I'm on the golf course right there.
2: Feels versus reels. <laughs>
5: yeah, man, I'm like, dude, that swing felt
2: great. Why am I in the trees? <laughs> yeah, when you square it up, and it's hooking. You're like, what? I, I squared it up.
5: Like, I hit that right off the club face. The little door, my club face is completely shut, but hey. <laughs> but hitter, hit, hitters and pitchers go through that. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, would, I can only imagine. I mean, and you see it with guys who, uh, you know, some of those high command guys that want to stay on the edges. They, you know, they develop that one release point where the pitch is coming out nicely and it's hitting the spot that they want. And, I mean, it's almost even worse for some of those pitchers because you're off just a tick, maybe, a, you know, a couple of centimeters, and all of a sudden that ball is reacting in a way that you really don't want it to. And you've got to get back there. You've got to start to get that, you know, turn the – you know, adjust the reels to the feels and get to get back on the field of the baseball. It's not easy, man. This game is hard.
2: You know, I think about the adjustments and it's one thing that the Astros have always been good at. I mean, you can go down the line, Garcia with Tommy John, McCullers with the elbow, Riti with the shoulder, Brantley's still out. who's not hitting home. I mean, it's like no matter what you throw at the Astros, they always kind of ah, we'll figure it out and keep winning. Why do you think that happens? Why does why is this organization able to do that?
5: I, I truly believe that it's because they've developed an idea of winning, and I think they've developed an idea of of not doing it just on sheer luck or doing it on sheer uh, you know ability. I think it's it's a mentality for these guys. We all obviously know that they've got a chip on their shoulder for for reasons of 2017 or whatever you know was going on. So I think that they have this little. You know, this idea that they have a little extra bigger chip or an extra chip on their shoulder that they want to go out there and prove everybody wrong. But I also think it's a clubhouse that has this idea of we need to go out there and win. If it's not going to be Alex Bregman one night or if it's not going to be Jose Abreu, it's going to be a Jordan Alvarez and it's going to be set up by a Mauricio Dubon. So I think these guys understand that if I'm not performing up to what I want to do or how I'm able to help this team, there's going to be somebody else that can pick me up. And if I'm not doing it offensively, I'm sure as hell is going to go out there and try and take away some base hits. So I think they do a good job of, you know, compartmentalizing. Okay, my swing isn't where I want it to be, but you know what I can do? I can go out there and play, a, you know, a hell of a defense and pick my pitcher up. Somebody else will pick me up on that end. And when my and when Jordans not going well, maybe I'll be the guy that steps up that day. So they really do a good job of doing this as a team, and they've really developed a culture here that says, you know what, we've all got the same nut same uh, name on our front of our jersey. We might as well all go out there and fight together, and that's exactly what they do. They have no no other idea on their mind other than winning.
2: I know you got to go do TV, so let's end on this one. Uh, obviously, the, yep. Ch- the Chicago White Sox mean so much to you and your heart and baseball, and what that city uh, has meant throughout your career to you. They were, you know, you, you look at just the past couple of years, expectations of what they were supposed to be, bad once again, just. How, how do you view the situation going on on the south side once again?
5: You know what? I, gosh, I really thought Pedro Garfoil was going to be able to turn that thing around. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I think there, you know, there's a little bit of an identity crisis for their hitters. I'm not sure. You know, They've got good, talented guys, but they just don't. Are they a team that controls the zone? Are they a team that goes out and smashes home runs? Are they a team that's going to work on base? and get those big hits in uh RBI situations and then their pitching side, you know, I don't know that place is in some serious turmoil. I'm not sure how to turn it around because like you said, you just said, when you look at these guys on paper for the last three years,
6: yes. how are
5: they not winning the American league central? I they on paper, they look better than the uh, guardians. They look better than the twins. Uh, they've got depth. I think, you know, hopefully when they get crochet and, uh, Hendricks back in the bullpen, they can protect those guys. But it's crazy to look up and see a Lance Lynn with a five or six ERA, Dylan Cease is getting batted around. You know, why is that and how do you correct that culture? And uh, as much as you can't, you can't put analytics to culture, but there's something in that clubhouse that's just not functioning right. I, I can't put my finger on it, but it's amazing to watch them not play to the level that they look like they should be.
2: Well, the great thing is this is the first game between the A's and the Astros, so that means we're going to play a lot more later in the season. We're going to bring back Blummer Domus later in the year, and we're going to take a look into the future for Cal football this year in the Pac-12 Conference.
5: That's what I'm talking about. That that that's going to be crazy. It's not it probably won't be as positive as most people want me to be.
2: I don't know, Blummer Domus We'll just have to wait and see. You were you were yep. de- you were dead right on. You better get the Astros early because if you don't, they'll be back. You were dead right. It, it's, I'm just glad that I've been in this game long
5: enough to get something right.
2: Well, you are the best, my friend. You know how much you mean to this program. We always appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Be well.
5: Yeah, trust me. The feeling's mutual. I love coming on with you guys. Telling you're the best, and I appreciate the opportunity. Go Bears, and I'll
2: talk to you soon. Take care, buddy. The great Jeff Blum, one of the first biggest stars that joined us. Bob Melvin said, you got to get my guy on, and he <laughs> came on. And then, of course, we switched this to video, made it like a TV show, and the great success. Uh, we appreciate everybody that supported us from the start. And Gonzo, you supported us from the start, and I always want to say thank you for that because uh, – a big name coming on for us was was great.
0: Well, oh, I appreciate it. I don't know so much about a big name, but oh, I'm just, just a pleasure to be out here with you guys.
2: Now, obviously, you starred for the D-backs, and Toy Lavella, we love him as a former athletic. We've had him on for years, and it was something I was talking about. At the end of last season, like all of a sudden, the D backs figured out, man, we can run on everybody. And we are so athletic. Then they changed the rules. And I went, you got to watch out for these yeah. guys. And we're seeing it. Second place to the Dodgers.
0: Yeah, I, I think this year, you know, last year was a, kind of a cutting our teeth type of year for a couple players. And now you're really starting to see the confidence grow. I was just standing by the cage and just looking at some of our young players and going, yeah, these guys are really starting to feel good about it. If they get a lead, they press. I mean, they'll come at you, they'll try to steal some bases, they'll put the pressure on you, and uh, they'll really stress out some catchers when they can. We did that against the Dodgers earlier in the season. So it's a fun team to watch, and uh, they just haven't been around the league long enough to know who a lot of these players are. They haven't figured it out yet. Like, oh, my God, that guy's a 10-year veteran pitching against us. They, They play with no fear out there, which has been a lot of fun to watch.
2: Carroll signing that contract. You know, I, you hear it all the time. It just drives you nuts where they say, he could have got a lot more money if he waited. But you get that security now. You're in a place that you love. And what does it mean to the organization and the fan base to get a special talent like this inked up?
0: Yeah, and, you know, he he really ran through our minor league system, he signed out of high school out of Seattle, and then, you know, played extremely well in, in A ball, double A, went to triple A for a little bit. And then we brought him up for like 30 games, I think, last year. And uh, he really... He's, I think he's 22, but he plays like a 25, 26-year-old, plays with a lot of confidence, quiet kid, just goes about his work each and every day, and he's a guy that uh, our organization felt like we can put as a cornerstone and build around him, and it's been a lot of fun to see him go out there and play.
2: And we are talking about uh, Dominic Fletcher is, a, is an Arkansas Razorback. We got a Razorback. We are talking a little SEC. I mean, out of nowhere, he's hitting 429, two bombs, 13 RBIs. I mean, kind of carrying the team out of nowhere, 13 games. Yeah,
0: he's played extremely well. And we know his brother with the Angels plays real well here against yeah. the Oakland A's. So Dominates <laughs> us. He's like Babe Ruth. So, so we're hoping it kind of rubs <laughs> off here and the, and the family thing just kind yeah. of sticks together here. But uh, he's been another great you know, player. I think for him, the confidence builder was him playing in the WBC. He was able to play in the WBC and you could see that the confidence really built up for him. And when he came to start the season, he got out of the gates well, played well. And, I mean, he's done everything we've asked of him up here in the big leagues.
2: Think about your career as a defensive player. You're a great defensive player. But teams that put pressure on you, I think tell Marte, I don't know, was it Saturday or Sunday scored on a wild pitcher pass ball against the Giants from second, second base? base yep. I mean, it's like always putting pressure on the defense. What's that like? outfielder infielder when in the back of your mind you know man these guys they're gutsy they're fearless and they're going to run on us
0: yeah it 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 gets you a little more tense out there on the field you don't want to make that little mistake if you bobble the ball or anything they're going to try to take that extra base on you and like i said earlier if, if we get a lead early that's when they really get loose out there and really start to play our outfield play with all our young guys out there they can really run it down that's been a lot of fun a lot of a lot of confidence for our pitchers when they have those guys we got a young kid behind the plate that really wouldn't have been playing every day if it wasn't for uh, Kelly getting hurt. Carson Kelly got hurt in spring training, broke his forearm, and uh, this kid's come up, and he's got a really good arm. I'm looking forward to, in this three-game series, if Ruiz gets on base and watching him try to steal bases with our catcher behind the plate.
2: I mean, you and I are both old enough to remember when guys actually stole bases. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're, they're, we've named the field after this guy named Ricky uh, Henderson. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it, it, you're right. Earlier, you said that the rule change has really benefited with our club, and it has. We were running extremely uh, a, a lot earlier, and then we've kind of backed off a little bit, kind of like resting our guys. We get some leads and stuff, but I think now you're going to see them start to press again. Especially, you know, we're playing a team that, uh, you know, hasn't fared well in the in the standings. You have to try to win these games when you can.
2: And you could run back in the day.
0: Uh, I tell my son that I stole hundred bases, over hundred bases in my career, and he said, "Dad, you played for nineteen years, so." <laughs> no,
6: like one, a young one, Astro, you stole bases. I
0: had one year where I stole twenty, so that was uh, that was a good year for me.
6: Uh,
2: I, I I wish we'd see him, Gal, This, it's the numbers yeah. are so eye popping how good he is. We're not going to see him in the series, but you know we always overreact to who's the best pitcher now. But if you look at right now, who's pitching today? Not many guys better than him.
0: Yeah, and I think you know, he didn't really get the recognition he deserved uh, in the in the Cy Young voting last year going into this year. And really the, the, the telltale sign for us was this year he got to match up against Alcantara with the Marlins yeah. and he dominated that game. It was like, okay, you guys didn't vote me up there in the top three or four. I'm going to show you what I got. And he dominated that whole game against the Marlins. And we got to Alcantara early and Got him out of the game.
2: I mean, you guys think back in the day when you got Schilling and you got Johnson. It's like you go into a series. It's it's let's it's amazing how you could say let's rock when yeah. you got guys like when that. When you got
0: good pitching, you always feel like you're one run ahead before the game even starts. And I think when uh, Zach Gallen pitches, Merrill Kelly too, he's been really good for us. Um, the team plays with a little bit more confidence. And if they fall behind, this team will not panic. If they're behind a run or two, they just kind of peck away a little bit and they'll try to get one or two back. And then if they get the opportunity to base load, then that's when they try to strike.
2: You know what? I remember during COVID when we were just having the 60-game season that before that, well, we had to figure out stuff to do, right? So we started honoring the 72, 73, 74 teams playing those games. And then we brought on, on Bob Melvin, and he talked about you guys in Arizona were doing the same thing with the 0-1, reliving the playoff games and the World Series games. What was that like? years later to see the games hear the games and have that city a buzz again talking about what did that feel like
0: well it's incredible i mean now here we are you know that was oh01 22 years later and you're, you know you're still talking about that championship as a player when you win one you think you're going to do it again and again and again Then and i think uh you know now that my career is over you you learn to really value that time and cherish it and uh you know we've had some you know, the Phoenix Suns and, you know, the other teams in the Valley and you guys have it here, you know, with Golden State and them, you know, you win a championship and you go, oh, we're gonna win it again and again and again and it really doesn't happen. So when you have those opportunities and you have those winning teams, you really got to cherish that moment, especially as a player, because you don't know how many chances you're going to get.
2: Never gets old seeing that hit, does it? No, that screaming line <laughs> drive. Roped. I'm, I'm, it was gl- roped. I'm
0: glad they don't have VCRs anymore. <laughs> so when I tell, you know, I go to talk to people, I go, man, that was, a, you know, off the hands, but it was a line drive out to left center field. So, but, uh, you know, I'll take it anywhere I can get it. I mean, 57 home runs that year, and the biggest hit of my career was a bloop. You know, that's why I always laugh at these guys when they look at you know uh exit exit velo. they're all my exit velo was 106. i go but it was an out give me like a 72 mile an hour dinker right there for three for four or something like that i'll take that all day
2: well you're going up against arguably the greatest pitch of all time that always bored so much on lefties and the firewood and all the bats he broke just for you to get enough on that to get it past the infield to win the game
0: yeah and for me you know, he struck me out in the eighth inning. I didn't want to come up in the ninth and say, you know, fall behind on him. So I was aggressive. First pitch, I fouled it straight back, and I went, "Oh God, here it goes again." And and you're right, being a left-hander with that cutter that Mariano throws, it's like a Pac-Man. It keeps the more you look for it, it feels like the further it gets inside on you. So um, there was a lot of players in their careers that said every time they faced him, they did not take their A bat up to the plate because they, in their mind, it was already like you're you're beat mentally against a guy like that. But I knew for me that was going to be the last at-bat of the season. So if I blew that bat up, it didn't matter to me as long as it, uh, it went down as a, as a hit there.
2: Well, you can be as humble as you want. You were one of the great players of your era. It, it was uh, great to watch you play. And I'm so glad that you're around this organization. I know how everybody loves you. Uh, the fans love you. To do some TV, to be around the team, it's got to be special.
0: Yeah, I, I appreciate this opportunity just to be around baseball. I love baseball. And, my title is senior advisor to the president and CEO, but I've been thrust upon to do some games here. Yeah. And I love it because I'm around the team and I get to uh, travel with these guys and kind of get a little inside of what's going on. And believe it or not, sometimes they'll sit down and ask questions about the good old days and see how guys used to do it. The game has changed so much in the last 10, 15, 20 years. And uh, these guys are bigger and stronger. And I look at guys now and I'm going, God, that kid's 22, 23 years old. He's like 6'5", 225 pounds. And, you know, when I was first coming up, my locker mate was Glenn Davis, the big bopper. Big, it was, it was, big first base. And him yeah. and George Foster and Dale yeah. Murphy, those were the three home run hitters, you know, when they were, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s. And then I'm, you know, now I'm looking at guys that are, you know, six two weigh 180 pounds that are hitting 30 40 a year i'm going man these guys they can swing it but they don't get cheated up there that's why you have a lot more strikeouts in the game
2: well seriously from the bottom of my heart thank you so much I appreciate it it, guys for 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 you coming on early when we start we're we're the number one podcast in baseball now by a lot
0: that doesn't surprise me
2: and so for you coming on early and bob melvin introducing us to you i've always really appreciated the time
0: thank you i appreciate it enjoy the next couple days thanks great to see you guys
2: richard lovelady is going to join us here as He's walking up as a little a little change in schedule, as we'll have Love Lady here and then Luis Gonzalez of the Arizona Diamondbacks will be joining us in just a little bit. As I'm sure that uh, going over meetings, charts, players, guys you may face. How are you? Welcome to Ace Cast Live. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. So you're just in there, like right? So people, you know, you they won't see you guys, but the fans will filter in. They're gonna watch the Diamondbacks take BP. What people don't realize is how much you guys study. Take us through, like, you just, you guys were out here for BP, you go in for meetings, what's going on, first day of a series, it's kinda like school.
4: Yeah, uh, typically, um, right after, usually the last day of a, of a series, we're getting our notes. Uh, PDF stuff, pictures, uh, hot charts, cold charts, stuff like that. Um, just something to, to go over yourself at home and, and do your own little kind of study, like you said. Um, but, yeah, as soon as we get ready to start a series, if we haven't played a team um, yet this year, we will, after about BP, you know, a little halfway through BP, we'll go th- inside and we'll basically go over, like, their, their hitting stuff. So, uh, we'll take a look at their swing, their misses, uh, you know, where their hard hit contact, stuff like that is. Uh, just get a, a, an overall, you know, Game plan, basically, how are we going to, you know, attack and who who might be, you know, substituted in if, you know, they lefty-lefty, you know, they might not yeah. keep a guy in there, stuff like that. Just see so you, you know, cause we're always not caught off guard on, oh, man, I didn't really think about facing this guy. So, I mean, it's always it's always like a, you know, it's like a mind thing. It's like who you're going to face. You know, you're you're expected, you know, warming up coming into the game, who you're going to have, you know, left, right, right, or left, right, left, whatever it might be. But that can change on the, you know, on the dime. It doesn't matter – They'll play matchups all day, and so you just want to always have, you know, who's on the bench and also their game plan. So
2: So when you're on the mound, how much do you all of a sudden – because remember, it's almost 5 o'clock. You were doing this 15 minutes ago. It's 445. Well, it's now 930 at night. Mm -hmm. It's been an hour since you did these meetings. How much when you're on the mound are you thinking, oh, yeah, earlier today I saw his heat maps. I saw video. Like how much – because I often wonder, how much do you pitch to the scouting report, and how much do you pitch
4: to what you do well? Right. Um, so, a lot of it, honestly, if there's people you haven't seen before. Um, you you kind of watch the game throughout the the entirety of it. Uh, you know, watching, looking through iPads, looking how, you know, the scouting report that you just heard, obviously 15, 20 minutes ago, and you're seeing the starter come out and basically try to execute that and yeah. see how that's going. Um, and at that point. Once you've already executed as much as you can, at that point, it's fight or flight mode. It's your strengths versus what they have. You know what I mean? You have to go in what you feel. You have to go attack a guy with what your best stuff is, regardless if, you know, they have good stuff, you know, they have good numbers against it. You got to always trust your stuff and go with your best, so. Well,
2: it's funny because when the – when the cameras are on you, they make it seem like you guys are just all down there throwing sunflower seeds at each other, having a rip-roar in time. No, you're watching the game,
4: preparing for what could be coming. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's nonstop. It's nonstop because, you know, like we said, it's starter can go four, starter can go seven. doesn't matter. And you always have to be ready for any situation and what, what, who's going to come up and, and what really is their cold and their hot zones and where's that hard contact. Cause that's, that's the biggest thing for us is we like to stay away from that hard contact. You know what I mean? And yeah. Match that with our strength. And that's what really helps us really be uh, really, you know, really good for ourselves. Uh, allowing, you know, guys to get out of situations, guys to, to get the bats back in here and, and, and turn it over. So, All right, so years ago when pitchers were planning
2: on going seven, eight innings, bullpen guys, get a cup of coffee, you knew. Now, man, a guy can get pulled at any point. Just how different is it to where – I mean, let's face it, something happens tonight. It could be the third inning. Get Love Lady up. Let's yeah. go. I mean, you years ago, you guys were ready around the sixth, seventh. You know, you started yeah. loosening it up. Now, I mean, it could be at any moment.
4: Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's crazy you mentioned that because, I mean, it was like guys would – guys back then would go nine innings back-to-back starts, it seemed like. You know what I mean? It was like <laughs> – it was like bullpen. Take a you day had off. Two days off. Exactly. You know what I mean. And, and it's just that's the that's the thrill. That's the that's the beauty of uh, you know being in the bullpen. It's like you are the you are the fire extinguisher. You know what I mean, so to speak. You are the guy that gets to come in with pressure. Like they, they always talk about it. Like you know a lot of guys. Love coming in with nobody on. I, I take pride in, in coming in with people on because I love it because I, I want to I right away be on, on top of myself. You know what I mean? I want to get the guy out. I want to do my job because I'm trying to literally get us back in here to start hitting. I want to turn the lineup over so that next guy that I know is going to come in behind me is going to do the same exact thing. So.
2: Oh man, it's chaos. Yeah, it is. It's absolute chaos when you're coming in. You're living on an edge, and when people talk to, talk about the mentality of a reliever, and, and I try and explain to everybody, it's not like you get to hey run your poles. <laughs> uh, you're gonna play long toss. Some guys like to throw the football. Yeah. Then you're gonna you know you
4: uh, no. It's eight pitches. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. Eight pitches. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah. That's that that you know. And honestly, that's a. I think that's a, another thing that I, I'm really not. I'm not for that in a way, as far as like as pitch clock for pitchers warming up. I think that's, a, that's like a huge, that's an important part for us to get a feel for the mound because that mound's like, it's going to give you a, you know, a basic of what that's going to be. But the whole feeling, the adrenaline, all that, that's eight pitches for me to get ready to do my job. And I don't think that should have a time at all. Cool pitch clock during the game, sure, but warming up. That's, that's important. I think that should be eliminated next year, honestly. At some
2: point, I don't know when it's going to be. we got to do a long form because you're great at, 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 at talking about the art of pitching. But I know you got to go, so let's end on this. Talk about the support that you guys have for each other on the staff. You see it down here when the pitchers are warming up. So whether it's starters, whether it's bullpen, you guys are all in this together. So talk about how you guys like a support group for each other. You
4: know, and that's the that's the beauty of it. Honestly, it's you look up and down our roster. We have a couple of good guys that are that are balling out right now. You know, but we don't have. We don't have that big, huge name, that whole entire, like, God, this guy's making a lot of money. Everybody on this team is fighting for each other, and I love it because literally no one is standing out, so to speak. You know what I mean? Everyone is literally for each other. Every every time we go out here in every single game, every single batter everybody faces gets out, we are rooting for each other because that's all we have is each other right now. And during hard times like this, good or bad, whatever it might be, it's a beauty behind it because we literally have that bond And we're able to literally stick together for the entire season, so not a lot of people can live in chaos.
2: Yeah. Some people thrive on it. Yeah. I love it. It's (laughs) awesome. It's the edge. You bring the edge every night. Absolutely. Doesn't matter what city, what time zone. Absolutely. It's uh it's a lot of fun to talk about. Hey, it's great to have you on the show. Seriously, at some point we need to do a long form, it'd be great. Absolutely. Good luck tonight. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. All right, so we got Nikki Pickett, we got Nikki Knox. That's Dallas Braden. Uh, we got a new one for you. You ready? What we got? Nikki Pie Shop. Oh yeah, I love me some Pie Shop. See, people need to know when we hear the advertising for the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. He grew up at the original. That's our family restaurant in San Diego, the San Diego Chicken Pie Shop. So you've been eating yeah. chicken pies and eating the pie shop your entire life.
1: Entire life, yeah. I had birthdays there uh, when I was younger, so uh, I'm just glad that there's one up here. It makes it feel like home.
2: Well, you know, we talked when you came back up, and you said you made some adjustments. What were the adjustments, and how you feeling?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I think a lot of it was just to uh, – Kind of feel like I can do what I do best. Um, honestly, sometimes that's just me not, you know, feeling the pressure of missing in the air. You know, if I miss in the air, I think, um, you know, here like it gets caught. But I think I need I need that that rhythm in my swing to feel like I can stay through pitches, not feel like I have to necessarily really really hit down on the baseball um, because then i am in and out of the zone and i can't really stay on off-speed pitches the way i want to so when i went down to vegas uh i thought you know let's just hit hard line drives hit the ball hard and if i miss in the air let's not get down like hard on myself there you know it is what it is and um and you know i think i had great success there i think when i came back up here you know that pressure of needing to hit, you know, the ball hard and low. I think that sometimes kind of just got in my head a little bit. So now I'm just starting to get back into the feel of, you know, let's stay through the baseball. Let's stay behind the baseball. Let's hit the ball hard. Obviously, I want to keep it lower. But if I miss in the air, let's not like, you know, be like, ah, you hit it low. You know, no, it's okay. It is what it is, you know.
2: Take us through that process of what it's like when they tell you you're going down. Obviously, you're not happy about it. And you go down, you get on the flight, you go to wherever the team is, and you got to, like, recalibrate. And you know there's changes that you have to make to get back up here. What's that process like? Because it has to be a little uncomfortable and not so much fun.
1: I think, you know, when I got sent down, I honestly, in my head, I was in a good headspace. I felt like I had a couple good at-bats. Uh, I was starting to feel things that I wanted to feel. And uh, I just knew, you know, when i go back and get my at-bats in Vegas, I was like, I'm gonna feel good. I'm gonna feel confident. I'm in a good space to get going, and um, and I've obviously, you know, I had my my success down there, um, so I was in a good headspace. I know it sometimes, you know, last year when I when I went down, it, you're kind of like, ah, what's going on? You know, this and that. But this year, it was a lot a lot better for me. Because you go down, and you know, you got
2: to make the changes and put up the numbers to get back. So I mean, you you have to accept. I have to I have to change something, right?
1: Yes. Yes. Um, but there I just felt like, you know, I'm going to see what I got right now. I felt, I feel good. And I'm going to, like I said, not put the, the, the pressure of my, on myself of trying to hit the ball hard and low. Like I want to hit the ball hard, but you know, sometimes you just to give yourself the right leverage. You got to feel like, you know, you got to have some good misses in the air too. So, um, and that's what it's all about. It's in down there. Like I was hitting doubles, you know, heart hitting the ball hard. Um, so, I think that's you gotta know you gotta put up the numbers, but I also knew that it was a process you know i could I could go off down in triple a and then you know up here there was just no spot, so I just knew like I just gotta play my game and be ready for when the opportunity's uh called upon
2: and how nice is it when it's really a situation where you know you're gonna play versus showing up to the yard you don't know every day
1: I mean it's definitely uh uh it's hard when you you know you're sitting a little bit and then you get at bats. It's not easy, but it's part of this game. You got to be ready yeah. to do it, you know. But definitely when you're playing every day, uh, you kind of got that comfortability and um, and you're preparing. You have your routines and everything just syncs up uh, well.
2: What is it like hitting ninth? Do you have that? Do you have that idea that you know, you're a second leadoff guy?
1: That's what I try to think. Uh, you know, sometimes when you're sitting there and you're waiting for your bat, you get a little jittery and all that kind of stuff. Uh, just kind of waiting for it. But, uh, no, I mean, it's it's the second leadoff. It's it's the guy, you know, get on base for the leadoff hitter, uh, for him to do what he needs to do. Um, so, no, if I can go down and, and, and be, you know, hopefully keep competing and keep trying to be the best ninth nine-hole hitter in the league, man, I mean, we'd give ourselves a good opportunity.
2: Now that you've had the experience, you have way more experience from when we first talked to you, when you got up, What, what what's like the biggest difference for you now comfort-wise or whatever, versus when you were first here?
1: I think it's just kind of knowing what it feels like to be up here, um, knowing what kind of goes on around you. And um, I mean, the game's the same. You know, I think uh, I found some comfortability a little bit last year, just in being here. Um, But I feel like now it's like I'm starting to notice that like, you know, you can have success here You just got to play your game and you got to do what you feel is uh, right for you. Cause I mean, I've, I've seen myself play every single time I play, right. I'm the one who's always been in my shoes. So um, I got to know what I've done to have success works. Yeah. I I can see where people could
2: get out of their game when they get here and you try and be something you're not. Yeah. Cause you finally made it right. I'm in the big leagues. I want to, it's like, yeah, you need to
1: do what you do well. Yeah. I mean, no one knows me better than me. So that's what I got to understand. That's what I'm really trying to preach to myself as best as I can uh, right now. Is just that I've 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 played in big scenarios. I've played in big situations. Obviously, this is a big leagues. But you know, you go through life and everything is new, and you and you you find a way to you know to be good in those situations. So why not now? You know, find a way. So that's what I'm. Uh, that's what I'm trying to do.
2: Have you made any adjustments at all since? Uh, let's talk defense, because obviously, yeah. everybody wants to talk offense, but. One of the main reasons you're here is because of what you do defensively. Have do you, have you made any changes or any adjustments since you've gotten here?
1: I think just to be you know, just more routine base and make sure I'm making the uh, the the routine plays make them look smooth and 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 formal. I don't know how to say that. Uh, don't try to do too much on routine balls. Um, I think that's always been big. Imar and I are really working on a backhand, right? My backhand right now, and then forehand spinning fires sometimes, uh, just to kind of add those in the repertoire if I ever need them. But um, yeah, if I can just be as routine as possible, I think that's big for me.
2: All right, you got to be honest with me here. I've been waiting to ask you this. You're still kind of shifting, even though it's against the rules. I can, I can see it. I can see you guys. Trying. You guys are so right up on it. And what people don't watch because we watch the ball, right? That's human nature. Pitchers getting ready to deliver the ball, and as these del- people need to watch you guys, you're you're moving.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Has anybody? Do they? Do the ump's ever say anything, or do they no, even notice?
1: I haven't heard a thing. I mean, I I, I try to get as close to this the second base as possible um, without obviously going over over the bag or on the bag. Um, but uh. Yeah, I mean, whenever that pitch is crossing the zone and you see the swing, you you know, you, you read it as best you can. If that's taking me over the bag, it's taking me over the bag. I think I think according to the rules, I think that's fine. So uh, just got to keep, keep going with it.
2: Now, yeah. if I'm a pitcher and you do that, and the guy hits a routine ground ball to short. How's that working out? And you're not there. It's
1: tough. I mean, yeah. obviously, it's just it is what it is. You know, we go by what the, you know, analytics say, and um, it's just kind of how baseball is now. Uh, so is what it is.
2: Are, are they saying it on every batter? Because I remember in the shifting, we got to a point shifting. Yeah. They shifted on people who they shouldn't even have been shifting on.
1: Yeah, I mean, we got percentages and you know, our coaching staff and uh, our analytical team do a great job of really putting in the work to see uh, where everyone's hitting the baseball. And um, so we just kind of put, put in that position and, you know, sometimes it hits you there, hit it there, you know, and it's like, wow, we took a hit away. And sometimes, obviously, they might just go in the hole and you're like, well, darn, you know, like what we could have been there. But it's just how it's going right now. So it's just baseball. You're kind of, you know, um, just kind of in those situations. And I'm uh, right now I'm playing wherever I'm told. So,
2: okay. So we got so used to Chapman and Simeon and they knew each other so well. Uh, you obviously are going to have different second basemen. You're going to have different third And Just how does that affect you when you have different guys on different nights?
1: Um, you know, you got. I think now that we've played with each other a lot, um, with the different kind of combinations that are out there, uh, you're getting to know kind of where they're positioned or what what they like to do. So it's just you're getting more comfortable with uh, each player as every time you get out there with them. So um, yeah, it might be you know different here and there. So uh, you just gotta you know maybe ask the person like, hey, you, you good here? You good there? So just communication.
2: All right, so yeah. when you get back from this road trip, we're gonna have to plan a uh, Nikki Pie Shop night at the Chicken Pie Shop in Walnut Creek. Why not? Why not? I love it. Do you like it, Nikki Pie Shop? Uh, as long as I get credit for it, <laughs> you came up with I it. I came you up got with it? it. Yes. Oh, that's him, huh? We make it like a jersey, yeah. or what do you want? You want? I, I think we can do it as a giveaway. Do it as a giveaway. Yeah. Maybe have like a full-on party and give away Nikki Pie Shop shirts.
3: I think uh, I'm all in for that one. Why you don't, not? you don't have to put my name or anything. on You can say Nikki Pie Shop. Love it.
1: I love it. That's Always awesome. great to Thank see you, guys. my man. Hey, Appreciate keep it, it. up. Yeah. It's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. And of course, one day at a time, one I say it all the time.
2: time. I grew up with this family. That was one of the coolest things about spring training, seeing your mom and your aunt. Yeah. And I hadn't seen them in years. I sat and watched a lot of the game with them. It was uh they're really proud and it's really special.
1: Oh, I'm thankful for all of them, yeah. All right, buddy, be well. Appreciate you. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.